Act Three of the Cabinet Minister by Arthur Wing Pinero. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Third Act Disaster. The scene is the inner hall at Drumduris Castle, Perthshire, leading on one side to the outer hall and on the other to the picture gallery. It is solidly and comfortably furnished, and a fire is burning in the grate of the large oaken fireplace. It is an afternoon in August. Imogen is sitting at the table reading over a letter she has written. Dear Mr. White, I shall never call him Valentine again, except in my thoughts. Reading. Dear Mr. White, I am sorry to hear that you are discontented with your recent appointment to the deputy assistant head gamekeepership on the Drumduris estate, and that you consider it a sinecure fit only for a debilitated peer. Now for it. Resuming. Permit me to take this opportunity of informing you that I have at length consented to an engagement between myself and Sir Colin MacPhail of Balachievan. Oh, how awful it looks in ink! Resuming. As it is becoming that I should support such a position with dignity, I would prefer not encountering your dislike to stuck-up people by ever seeing you again. Oh, Val. I therefore suggest that you obtain a nastier appointment than that of Deputy Assistant Head Gamekeeper at Drumduris without delay. That will do. Beautifully. In tears. Oh, Val. Why have you never spoken? I know you are poor. But I would have gone away with you and lived cheerfully and economically in that rock if you had but asked me. Why, why have you never asked me? She sits on a footstool looking into the fire. Brooke in shooting dress strolls in with Lady Euphemia. They do not see Imogen. Brooke Twombly, coolly. Well then, Effie, I suppose I may regard our engagement as a fixture. What? I needn't say you find me an excellent husband. Thanks awfully, but perhaps you had better mention the subject to me again at some other time. Well, I shall be rather busy for the next week or two. Oh, quite as you please. Giving him her hand. But you are really too impetuous. Not at all. About to kiss her. You'll permit me, naturally. Lady Euphemia Vibart languidly turning her cheek toward him. Of course. Be careful of my hair. It will not be dressed again before lunch. He kisses her cheek cautiously. Imogen rises without seeing them. Lady Euphemia Vibart to Brooke. Somebody. They stroll away in opposite directions. After all, as he has never been a lover, why shouldn't I see him and mention my engagement in a calm, cool, ladylike way? Tearing up the letter passionately. I must see him once more, in a calm, cool, ladylike way. I'll write just a line, asking him to come to me this morning. As she sits to write, Lady Euphemia and Brooke stroll in again and meet each other. Lady Euphemia Vibart to Brooke. Good morning. Brooke Twombly to Lady Euphemia. Good morning. Why, it's Imogen. Oh, let me congratulate you. Kissing her. The news is too delightful. Thank you. Accept my congratulations also. Splendid fellow, MacPhail. 
Not one of those men who talk the top of your head off. Imogen writing. No, not quite. Brooke, dear, will you give Mr. White a little note from me? Certainly. By the by, what I think of it, you'll be glad to hear that Effie has honoured me by consenting to a... Marry me, what? Effie? How your mind does run on that subject, Brooke? I'm a gem, throwing her arms round Lady Euphemia's neck. What happy people, both of you! My hair! Imogen kissing Brooke. A thousand congratulations, my dear, clever old brother! The bother with Mama will be too wearying. Why a bother? About my pecuniary position, don't you know? You'll hardly credit it, but I haven't the least idea what Pa intends to do for me. But it doesn't matter about that, so that you are deeply attached to each other. Oh, Imogen, that's too ridiculous. Quite absurd, what? Besides, if you want money, you can work. Oh, it's no good everybody working. It's this stupid all-round desire to work that throws so many men out of employment. I'll look for Valentine. Imogen gives him her note. He's sure to be about. We're going to shoot over Clay Grossy Moor this morning. He goes out. So you've made up your mind at last? No. Other people have made it up for me. Mama? Yes. Aunt Dora is the principal person who has rendered my life a burden to me. Oh, Imogen. It's true. Every hour of the livelong day, Aunt Dora has goaded me onto this desirable, detestable match. Even at night, she has stalked into my room with a lighted candle, startling me out of my beauty sleep to tell me she will never rest till I am Lady Macphail. Imogen, it's too kind of Mama to take this interest in you. Interest? It's torture. And at last she threatened that if I married anybody else, she would expire in great pain and appear to be constantly a ghost in her nightgown. Well, you've seen Aunt Dora in her nightgown. You can guess my feelings. And that decided you? I went to Mama and asked her advice. I guess what that was. Mamma's expression was that she'd give the heels of her best shoes to see me provided for. And so, late last night, while my maid Phipps was washing my head, I gasped out a soapy sort of yes. The dowager enters. Where is Imogen? Here, Mama. Dowager embracing Imogen. My favorite niece. I have just learned your decision over the breakfast table. I was eating cold grouse at the moment. I thought I should have choked. I hope you're satisfied, aunt. Thoroughly. I feel now that I shall die, a great many years hence, a contented woman. Effie? Yes, mamma? Don't think you're a neglected child. I cannot provide for everybody at once. No, mamma. But having completely settled Imogen, I shall commence the adjustment of your future after lunch. Lady Macphail enters. Ah! Dear Lady Macphail, what glorious news! Lady Macphail rapturously with her hand upraised. No, let the worn banner of the Macphail be run up on the crumbling tower of Castle Balakeven. Certainly, by all means. No, 
let the roar of the pipes startle the eaglets on the summit of black ben mukti i hope such arrangements will be made let the shriek of the wild birds resound on the shores of Lochnaduch. Dowager bringing Imogen forward. But you haven't seen Imogen yet. Lady Macphail embracing her. Child, ah, when Colin learns your answer to his suit, you shall listen to such words as none but a Macphail can utter to his betrothed. Doesn't he know? Not yet. He went out early to watch the sun gilded the grey peak of Ben Ochter. Lady Twombley enters, looking very troubled. Mamma. Lady Macphail, the Dowager, and Lady Euphemia talk together. Mamma, everybody has congratulated me. Have you nothing to say? Lady Twombley places her hand fondly on Imogen's head. Lady Twombley in a sepulchral voice. Did Fibs dry your head thoroughly last night? Yes, Mamma. Then all's well, I suppose. Sir Julian's flute is heard. To herself. The first bill. The first bill due next week. She sits staring at the fire as Sir Julian enters playing the flute. Papa. Imogen, my dear, amidst severe official worries, I must not omit to join in the general paean of rejoicing. Thank you, Papa. Sir Colin may lack that inexhaustible flow of anecdote with which I have often been credited. He may, Papa. But I confess I respect a man who will sit for hours without saying anything. I wish there were more like him in the house. Julian, let the newspapers have details of Emergen's engagement without delay. Oh, no, Aunt. Not yet. Imogen, if I may use such an expression, for lol. Suffice it, I have a motive. But why the papers? It is our duty to our friends. Do you think if anything serious happened to me, my friends wouldn't like to hear of it? Without delay? Julian. Sir Julian writes. Besides, it will be current talk at the dance tomorrow night. The dance, aye, tomorrow night they shall see a Macphail lead the Strathby with the girl who is to be his bride. No, indeed they won't. What? I can't make myself so supremely ridiculous. Ridiculous. Oh, Imogen. 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 My dear. Lady Macphail closes her eyes. Sir Julian and the Dowager take her hands. My, My dear, dear Lady, Lady Macphail. Here is Sir Colin. Ah. My boy. Why, he is with Mrs. Gayluster. That woman. That woman. That woman. That woman. Macphail enters with Mrs. Gayluster. He in Highland dress. She wearing a showy costume of tweed tartan with a Scotch bonnet. Colin, lad. Eh, mother? Dear Sir Colin gave me his arm to the top of Ben Ochter. To the, to the top, top of Ben Ochter? Macphail, with an anxious glance at Mrs. Gaylester. Just to see the sunrise. Dowager quietly to Sir Julian. Julian, that's scandalous. I thought you always witnessed the sunrise alone, Colin. As a rule, mother. Dowager to herself. 
That woman has a motive. Lady Macphail pointing to Imogen. My son, look, here is Imogen. Macphail to Imogen. Uh, good morning. Colin, lad, don't you guess? No, mother. Lady Macphail rapturously. Now, let the worn banner of the Macphail be run up on the crumbling tower of Castle Ballochaven. Macphail vacantly. For what reason, mother? Now let the shriek of the wild birds sound on the shores of Loch Nadoich. Why? Lady Macphail embracing Macphail. Imogen is to be your bride. Macphail blankly. Oh. Sir Julian, the dowager, and Lady Euphemia congratulate him. Most gratified. I have a mother's yearnings toward you. We are too rejoiced. Mrs. Gayluster to herself. They've hooked him. Lady Macphail bringing Macphail down. Hush! Speak to her, Colin lad. Let her hear how a Macphail greets the woman of his choice. Lady Macphail joins Sir Julian, the Dowager, and Lady Euphemia, while they all watch Macphail as he approaches Imogen. Listen! Macphail to Imogen. Uh, I'm very much obliged to you. Bravely spoken. A grand nature. Thank you, Sir Colin. She joins the others. Mrs. Gayluster to Macphail, seizing his hand. May your life be very, very blissful. Macphail uneasily withdrawing his hand. Mother's looking. He joins the rest. Mrs. Gayluster to herself. They've hooked my Scotch salmon. But they haven't landed him yet. Intercepting Lady Twombley as she advances toward the group. Kate! Reptile! I'm not at all satisfied with the way things are going on here. Aren't you? I think things are beautifully smooth. I'm pretty comfortable at Drumdurus myself, thank you. But I'm getting extremely anxious about Joseph. Oh, so am I. I'm afraid Joseph isn't enjoying his little holiday at all. Did you observe him at dinner last night? <laughs> Who could help it? The man eats enough for six. He's obliged to, his holiday being so brief. But these fine folks treat him as contemptuously as if he were a snail in a cabbage. Then why does he talk with the leg of a grouse sticking out of the side of his mouth? Why does he drink people's health across the table and call the man-servants old chaps? Dear Joe, there's nothing classy about him. Drum Durst and Shooting Dress enters carrying a light wooden box. Why does he swallow his knife and build pyramids with his bread and tell long stories with no meaning at all? Or else with two. Well, you must take Joe as heaven made him, so you'd better make things smooth for him with Lord Drumdurus. If not... If not... If not, Joe might, after all, decline to renew. Oh! And then there would be the devil to pay, wouldn't there? As far as I can see, there are two devils to pay already.
Aha! Here's Drumdurus. Remember. After talking to the others, Drumdurus approaches Lady Twombley, bowing stiffly to Mrs. Gaylester, who shakes her fist behind his back. Lady Twombley gives a small nervous shriek. Aunt? Lady Twombley, with her hand to her heart. <laughs> Spasms. Mrs. Gayluster, smiling sweetly at Drumdurus. Delightful morning. She takes up a newspaper. Sir Julian and Lady Euphemia stroll out. Lady Twombley to Drumdurus. Keith, dear, I want to say a word to you about dear Mr. Lebanon. Ah, aunt. Have patience, Keith. Patience. When I begged you to entertain him at Drumdurris, I didn't deceive you. I distinctly told you he was one of nature's noblemen. I would do much to please you, Aunt Kate, but this individual and his sister. <laughs> you must follow the democratic tendencies of the age, Keith. The peer must go hand in hand with the pig. Yes, but let it be a companionable, clubable pig. Oh, I have just left him at the breakfast table. Is he making a tolerable breakfast this morning? He seems to be making every breakfast in Great Britain. <sighs> I see him at it. He consumes enough coffee to put fire out. Yes, and he swoops down on a cold bird like a vulture. It's hideous to see him hurl himself at an omelette. I know, and with eggs he's a conjurer. What's he engaged on now? When I left him, he was an unrecognizable mass of marmalade. He must go. Don't disregard the sacred laws of hospitality. I must. At another time I might endure him. But now I am utterly crushed by my own agonizing trouble. Hark! What's the matter? My son. Angel appears with the infant. Angel mysteriously. Is it all right, my lord? Hush. To Lady Twombley. Is Agidia there? Sir Julian and Lady Euphemia re-enter. No. Lady Twombley joins Sir Julian and Lady Euphemia. Earl of Drumdurus to Angel. All right. Fondly to the infant. My soldier boy. Angel advances to Drumdurus. He produces a small toy gun and a little drum from a box he carries and hands them to Angel. Don't let Lady Drumdaris discover these. No. Above all, let the drum be muffled. Yes, my lord. Egidia enters. I expect some small cannon by the evening post. Go. Egidia comes between Angel and Drumdaris, the dowager following. Ah. Oh, my lady. I am right, then. She takes the toys from Angel and points to the door. Angel withdraws with the infant. Keith, Egidia, don't disagree here. Egidia to Drumdurus. I was loath to credit you with such treachery. Name some convenient hour to disagree this afternoon. I will willingly be present. I have long suspected this conspiracy to anticipate my son's mature judgment. Keith, there is a gulf between us which can never be bridged over. Egidia joins the others. Mother, my life is wasted. 
valentine roughly dressed in cords and gaiters enters followed by brooke are you ready lord drumdurus we are waiting i presume for mr lebanon i'll go and stir him up ugh what brooke goes out you'll not join us sir julian i daren't melton has arrived from town with a mass of papers for my signature quietly to drumdurus the raj Bhutana canal question is wearing me out valentine white whispering to amagen i have your note i'll return in a few minutes mr joseph lebanon outside shootin my dear sir when i was in the south Hampstead artillery i could have shown you what shootin was there's joe she goes out to meet lebanon ugh that ugh, man that man ugh, that man ugh, that ugh, man that man ugh, that man ugh, that man that man that man all gather into groups as lebanon looking very ridiculous in highland costume enters followed by brooke mr joseph lebanon slapping macphail on the back mac dear old boy haven't seen you this morning macphail turns away distrustfully lady mac are you delightful whispers sir an approaching happy event we're like the doves we're pairing off eh we're pairing off lady macphail stares at him and turns away he wipes his forehead anxiously it's a little difficult to keep up a long conversation with them they're not what i'd term rattlers Aynigidia. the fair hostess <clears throat> we missed you at the breakfast table lady drum can't congratulate you on your peck excuse my humour Aegidia stares at him and joins lady macphail to himself they're a chatty lot i must say they're a chatty lot i wish fanny had stick by me and cut in occasionally here's lady t she can't ride the aisles at any rate lady t mr lebanon you didn't honour me with my game of crib last night i-i had a headache never had an headache in me life don't know how it's spelt it's spelt with an h mr joseph lebanon to lady euphemia offering her flowers from his coat lady effie me floral offering lady euphemia catches up her skirts and sweeps past him to himself chatty eh chatty he comes face to face with the dowager who glares at him ha hmm offering her the flowers oh yeah had these picked for you by jove i did a present from joseph what sir mr joseph lebanon replacing the flowers in his coat excuse my humour wiping his brow again chatty i do wish fan had cut in and come and help me uh, slaps sir julian on the shoulder twombly old fellow sir not coming out with us today eh no getting past it i suppose i am kept indoors by pressure of work mr lebanon oh of course the rajputana canal question eh i'm a big shareholder in the rajputana railway you know 
I say, tell me. I cannot discuss official matters with you. Sir Julian turns from him. Mr. Joseph Lebanon to himself as he sits down. Chatty, chatty. I know what this'll end in. It'll end in my standing on my dignity. Where's Fanny? Addressing the others. Talking about shooting, I'll tell you an amusing little story. Sir Julian Twombley to Lady Twombley and others sotto voce. No, no. It's all about meself. Brooke Twombley whispering to the others. Goodbye. We're off. There is a general movement. The ladies and Sir Julian saying goodbye to the shooters, unnoticed by Lebanon, who has his back to them. I was spending a day or two down in Essex with me old friend, Captain Boulder, South Hampstead Artillery. Dear old Tom, great favourite with the girls, excuse my humour. Lady Twombley, Imogen, Lady Euphemia Vibart, Sir Julian Twombley, Lady Macphail, and Dowager, quietly, to the shooters. Goodbye. 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 It was wild foul Tom and I were after. We were lying in a ditch waiting for the ducks to drift in with the tide. As Lebanon continues his story, all the others gradually and quietly disperse. I counted fifty-seven birds through me glass. So said I to Tom, Tom, I'm in juiced good form, me boy. Devil you are, said Tom. And I lay a pony to a penny that fifteen of those birds fall to my gun. Done, says Tom. He is now alone in the room. Well, to make a short story a long one, excuse my humour, Tom sneezed. Up I got, so did the ducks. And then what the juice do you think happened? I say, what the juice do you think? Discovering that he is alone. Well, um, chatty, ain't they? Chatty. Mrs. Gayluster enters. Joe, why aren't you with the shooters? Why, they hooked it when I was telling them the tale of Tom Boulder and the ducks. Never mind, my pet. It's rude, that's what it is. It's just rude. Come along. We'll walk on to the moor. What are you going to, Fan? Yes, dear. Your poor Fanny has a little bit of fun on. Oh, Fan, if only I had your confidence, your push. But the rudeness of these people is getting on me nerves. Why, Joseph? I feel a little hurt, Fan, a little hurt. Valentine enters. Mr. Lebanon. Oi, where are they? Just starting in the drag. Be quick. Mr. Joseph Lebanon to Mrs. Gayluster. Come on, they shall hear about Tom Boulder and the ducks before I'm done with them. Come on. Mrs. Gayluster and Lebanon hurry out. Mr. Joseph Lebanon outside. Hey! Hey! That fellow was born to hail an omnibus. Imogen appears. Imogen not seen Valentine. Will he be long? She encounters him. Oh! You are not neglecting your duties, I hope, Valentine? I shall follow the others in the cart. Your note was marked urgent. Was it? 
Valentine White showing her letter. Urgent. What a thoughtless habit it is to mark all one's letters urgent. All I wanted to say to you is this. But it isn't urgent. No, no, I understand that. I merely had a foolish desire to be the first to acquaint you of my undeserved happiness. What happiness don't you deserve? The happiness of becoming Lady Colin MacPhail, Valentine. Oh, is that all? That's all. Just at present. Ha! You'll be a fine lady now, past recovery. I shall endeavour to adequately fill the station of life to which fate has called me. All that sweet simplicity of yours in London was purely an assumption, I suppose. Things are what they appear. But you have your heart's desire at last, I presume? I... I presume I have. Valentine White burying his head in his hands. Oh. What are you going to do next? Japan. Nice part of Japan? The murderous districts. Oh. Then you don't propose to return alive? Not according to my present arrangements. You... you'd better follow the shooters to Cligrossi now. Certainly. I'm glad to have had this gossip over our prospects. We... we both seem to be doing well. Good morning. She offers her hand, which he takes ungraciously. Good morning. You haven't congratulated me yet. In the usual way. Will you be happy with... him? I think. Partially. But you're not going to partially marry Sir Colin. How dare you do this? He was the first to ask me, Val. The first to ask you? You don't mean to suggest that any other man would have done. No, not any other. Some other? It's too late now. But, yes. A poor man? Val! Would I have stood the remotest chance? It's too late now. Would I? Would I? No! Nor any other nineteenth-century savage. Savage. Mr. White, it is very much too late now. But why, when you returned to England, didn't you wear uncomfortable clothes like other gentlemen, and a very high collar and varnished boots like other gentlemen? Why? Because I cannot be false to my principles. People say that principles which deal too much with the outside of things are nothing but affectations. Imogen. If a man has a good heart, he should have a good hat. Imogen, Jenny, if I had ever come to you in a good hat. If you had, then when Mamma urged me to marry, perhaps she would not have blamed me for... For what? For liking some pleasant-looking gentleman who laughed at harmless follies instead of scolding them. And now? Now? Now it is too late. She falls into his arms. He embraces her. Mr. Joseph Lebanon outside. Hey! Hey! Come here! Hey! Oh! She breaks away from Valentine and runs out, as Lebanon enters very pale and upset. Mr. Joseph Lebanon clinging to Valentine. Old fella. What's the matter with you? Grr, you... you're wanted. Lady Twombly enters. Good gracious! Something has happened, I'm afraid. Valentine goes out. Lady Twombly to Lebanon. 
you're ill i'm upset <laughs> too much breakfast now i've i've peppered mcphail peppered him can't you take your mind off eating you don't understand i was in the wagonette telling em the story of tom bolter and those beastly ducks i got hold of a beastly gun and just as i was demonstrating how i shot the fifteen beastly birds <gasps> it went off well don't make such a fuss of it <gasps> and it was pointed at sir colin pointed at him nah his legs were stuck right in the way heavens be quiet make light of it make light of it like i do now now i hope you're content no i'm not i wouldn't have had this happen for half a sovereign this island holiday of mine is getting on me nerves your nerves yes lady t imagine what it must mean to a shy man to get a rollicking august with a lot of people whose chief occupation is staring at the tips of their own aquiline noses <laughs> imagine what it must be to a shy man to find himself always leading the conversation instead of following up with a sparkling comment or two as i'm in the habit of doing in me own circle think of me starting every topic and arguing on it till me throat's sore making every joke and roaring at it till i get blood to the head sometimes when i'm in the middle of a long story and not a soul listening i feel so lonely i i could almost cry <laughs> then out of your own sufferings why can't you find some compassion for mine it's pathetic that's what my position is it's just pathetic in mercy's name why don't you retire quietly to your room and pack what throw up the sponge you needn't throw up your sponge pack your sponge i understand lady t hook it hook it is a harsh way of putting it bring your visit to a close think of what you are losing here think of margate where i feel you must have many dear friends oh i've half a mind to <laughs> bless you mr lebanon bless you i'll fetch you a bradshaw stop i forgot the hop the hop there's a ball here tomorrow night oh, for heaven's sake don't wait for the hop i've had half a dozen lessons in the scotch reel before i left town and you would risk the reel on half a dozen lessons madman half a dozen lessons at store prices dash it all you wouldn't have me waste em oh, hopeless Sir Julian enters unobserved by Lebanon or Lady Twombley. Look here, Lady T. I'm sorry to disappoint a lady, but it ain't Mr. Joseph Lebanon's principle to do something for nothing. No. If you lend a lady your arm, you'd do it at interest. I'm not alluding to our pleasant financial relationship, Lady T. What I infer is that if after the forthcoming up, 
I dragged meself away from me sovereign friends at Drumdurris. I expect, uh, uh, a salatium. Sir Julian remains watching and listening. Uh, what? Lady T, me pride has been wounded in this house. Me self-respect has been hurt. <laughs> Pardon me, I'm hysterical. If you could heal me feelings by rendering me a service. To be rid of you. Oh, Lady T, how plainly you put it. Well, yes. Try me. Sir Julian disappears suddenly. Hush! Thought I heard somebody. Lady T, you are aware that Mr. Joseph Lebanon's position in the financial world is an eminent one? I wasn't aware of it. Take it from me, Lady T, take it from me. But that distinguished position might be advanced by the success of some delicate little financial operations, which I'm on the brink of, Lady Twombly, on the brink of. Lady T, if I could know twenty-four hours in advance of the prime newspapers, the decision of the government on the Rajputana Canal question, it would go far to heal the wound me self-respect has received in this recherche island home. You follow me, Lady T? I suppose you mean that when the decision of the government is known in the city, something or other will go up and something or other will go down on the stock exchange. Is that it? That's it, Lady T, that's it. And some fellows will make fortunes, oh, Lady T. Oh, but why do you bother a poor woman with a headache? Because without the gentle guidance of tender-hearted woman, I can't find out whether the government is going to grant the concession for the cutting of the Rajputana Canal. Oh, Lady Twombly. Let me have five minutes alone with Sir Julian's papers in Sir Julian's room. Mr. Lebanon. Two minutes. A stroll around. I'll go in with a duster and tidy up. Oh. Or give me a glimpse of some of the documents Mr. Melton brought with him in that box yesterday. I want some fresh air. Wait, if you do this for me. I'll clear out of Drum Darris with Fanny on Thursday morning. Oh, no. And I'll hand you back your acceptances. Every one of them I will. On my word of honour as a gentleman. She seizes him by the throat and shakes him violently. Oh, how dare you? How dare you tempt me? Mr. Joseph Lebanon, arranging his hair and moustache with his pocket comb and mirror. Oh, ladies are trying in business. They are just trying. You, you wretch. Do you think I haven't endured enough for the past three months without this? Oh, Pa, what will you say to your kitty when you know the disgrace she's brought on you? Oh, my chicks, my chicks, my blessed chicks. Lady Twombly, me pride has been wounded, 
me self-respect has been hurtin' this recherche island home for i hope the last time i shall retire from the hop early to-morrow night knock it bring my visit to a close on thursday morning thank you next week the first bit of paper bearin the honoured name of woman falls due oh i repeat the word d u e due mr lebanon our interview has been a distressin one lady twombley it is over mr lebanon mr lebanon he turns his chair from her to herself it's all up with me i i'll go and find pa and tell him there's no help for it i'll tell him mr lebanon for the last time have compassion on a poor fool of a woman he turns away oh i'll go to pa's room and tell him she goes out that's one way to the old gentleman's room he opens the door and listens ah what's the latest quotation for lovely woman's weakness valentine enters with mrs gayluster macphail who looks very scared has a handkerchief bound round his knee and leans on mrs gayluster's arm she supports him to a chair mrs gayluster to sir colin lean on your poor broken-hearted friend mr joseph lebanon to himself oh the juice i'll find lady macphail he goes out mrs gayluster whispering to lebanon get out of sight mr joseph lebanon quietly to her can't i must wait here i've got an important little affair on so have i leave us oh my goodness how selfish you are fanny selfish you'll ruin my prospects in life brute vixen bah bah lebanon goes out mrs gayluster throws herself on her knees beside macphail how do you feel now well it's tingling tingling you bear it like a hero i appreciate the compliment but i'm thinking i'm only a bit singed ah but why why do you indulge in these reckless sports i was merely sitting in the drag looking at the sky sitting in the drag looking at the sky how foolhardy whereupon your brother without a word of warning blazed away at my knee ah don't describe it suppose you had had your head on your knee lady macphail outside take me to colin my mother mrs gayluster to herself drat your mother she stands with her handkerchief to her eyes lady macphail enters with Egidia, the dowager lady euphemia and valentine sir colin dowager sitting at a writing-table i'll telegraph to sir george mccarness the surgeon no let the wail of the lament waken the echoes of the black ben mukti macphail rising from the chair it's not at all necessary mother he can stand dowager writing bring chloroform and knives 
Ah, Colin, lad, why did we ever quit the grey shores of Loch Nadoich? I'll go upstairs and bathe my knee, mother. Lady Macphail leads him. He can walk. Madam, a Macphail can always walk under any circumstances. Dowager reading the telegram she has written. If in doubt, amputate. Lady Macphail, Macphail, Valentine, Lady Euphemia, Egidia, and the Dowager go out. Mrs. Gayluster weeping till the others are out of sight. <laughs> Joseph will die of remorse. <laughs> Calling. Psst. The coast is clear, Joseph. Joe! As she goes out, Lady Twombley enters with great agitation, clutching an important-looking document. Oh, Kitty, what have you done? Kitty, what have you done? Lebanon enters. Lady T. Thought so. Seeing the paper. Oh, my goodness. What has she got here? I must, I must find Julian. Oh! Mr. Joseph Lebanon, snatching the paper from her. Excuse me? <gasps> Give me back that paper. Lady T. Oh, Lady T. Lady Twombley following him around the table. Give me back that paper, dear sweet Mr. Lebanon. Mr. Joseph Lebanon reading the paper. Ha! Oh, don't read it. My friend Sir Julian's own writing? The Raj Putana Canal is a blessed fact. Lady Twombley, I forget my wounded pride. I forgive the blow to my self-respect. You have won a place in Joe Lebanon's art. Give me back that paper and forget it. Mr. Joseph Lebanon, returning the paper. Give it you back? Delighted. Forget it. Oh, Lady T, Lady T. Devil. Lady Twombley, Joseph Lebanon is, above all things, a man of honour. Handing bills to Lady Twombley. Lovely woman's acceptances. I won't take them. I won't buy them back at such a price. Natural delicacy. Laying bills on the table. You can pick em up when I'm gone. What a wicked woman I am. I can get out of these beastly clothes, drive to Strachlochlan Junction, and wire to town before feeding time. The city is on the eve of a financial earthquake. Joseph's name will be an household word from Mile End to Kensington. Lady Twombley, we meet at the op tomorrow night for the last time in society. Oh, dash society! He performs a few steps of a highland dance. Excuse my humour. He goes out. The bills, the bills, they mustn't lie there. As she goes to the table, Sir Julian, looking very white and dishevelled, enters and, standing opposite to her, takes up the bills and presents them to her. Pa! Lady Twomley. Oh, my gracious! She drops on her hands and knees at Sir Julian's feet. <laughs> you found me out, Pa. You found me out. I have found you out. How did you manage it? 
by degrading myself to the position of an eavesdropper. <laughs> That's pretty mean, Pa, ain't it? Seeing that he is examining the bills, she puts up her hands and seizes them. Oh, don't tot them up. Don't tot them up. Catherine, when I first saw you, three and twenty years ago, you were standing over a tub in the tiled yard of your father's farm, wringing out your little sister's pinafores. Oh! <laughs> Could I have looked forward, I should have known that you would one day wring my feelings as you do now. Pa, I've fallen into the hands of the unscrupulous. Woman! Oh, don't call me that, Pa. The unscrupulous! You have lost the right to ever again use that serviceable word. What do you mean? How do you come by those bills? <laughs> Julian, you know. Going toward him on her knees frantically. Oh, don't stare like that. Putting her arms round him. Husband, dear husband, you are glaring like an idiot. Listen. She shakes him violently. Listen. When that reptile tempted me, I ran upstairs intending to tell you all. I did. Oh, Pa, don't stare at nothing. I knocked at your door. There was a drumming in my ears, and I fancied your voice answered me, telling me to enter. Oh, try winking, Pa, try winking. Your room was empty, left unguarded, the door unlocked. I entered wink pa for mercy's sake wink i sank into a chair to wait for your coming taking the written paper from her pocket and there on your table right before my eyes i saw this thing like a white ghost a memorandum in my writing that the concession for the rajputana canal is to be granted yes yes i tried to forget it was there but the chairs and tables seemed to dance before me, and every object in the room had a voice crying out, Kitty, you silly woman, get back your bills from that demon who is plaguing you. I put my fingers in my ears, and then the voices were shut up in my brain, and still they shrieked, Kitty, get back your bills, get back your bills. I snatched up this paper and ran from the room even then if i had met you julian i should have been safe but whenever old nick wants to play the deuce with a married lady he begins by taking her husband for a stroll and so i fell into lebanon's clutches and i i i'm done for she sinks into a chair catherine those bills must be returned to the creature lebanon yes and and pa dear you'll never speak kindly to me after this will you i trust i shall be invariably polite to you catherine oh we shall be whitewashed in the bankruptcy court eventually i suppose all in good time catherine and then what then then we must hope for a cottage and a small garden where we can grow our own vegetables and learn wisdom. Our own vegetables. And years hence, Pa, 
sometimes when i am sitting over my knitting you'll forget the past and play your flute again and be happy catherine he takes his flute from his pocket and breaks it into pieces across his knee never never again catherine as he is leaving her one pang of remorse i can spare you catherine don't you believe you have betrayed a solemn secret of the government to that unprincipled money-lender of course that you have not done pa no catherine overhearing his shameful proposition and fearing your weakness i had time to hasten to my room conceal all important papers and scribble the memorandum you abstracted why then that writing records the exact reverse of the truth and and joseph in the language of the vulgar mr lebanon is sold he goes out julian <gasps> staring at the paper the exact reverse of the truth then the rajputana canal julian why should you be first blackened and then whitewashed because of your vagabond wife a cottage our our own vegetables never why shouldn't i have my delicate little financial operations in the city oh my gracious Dundurus and brooke enter hello mater what brooke keith you boys must drive me over to strachleren junction i must telegraph to london backwards and forwards all day keith put me into communication with your stockbroker in town aunt silence i'm on the brink of some delicate little financial operations to brooke get out the cart the drag's outside come on lebanon enters hastily i drum doris let me have a carriage to go to Strathlachlan junction i want to wire to town do you so do we we'll give you a lift come on they all hurry out end of the third act